Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is 1.57 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, February 5th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I am sitting on the couch, so the couch chronicles continue. Uh, the shoulder is um, healing, I think. Uh, this week, I'm sorry, today's Sunday, last week, I went to the doctor um, for a sort of... Uh, uh, wellness check on my shoulder and uh, because I was not feeling like I was healing great. I had been off oxy for uh, on over a week and we kind of determined uh, this is obviously a work in progress. Uh, there's a lot of uh, issues here with my shoulder. Um, hopefully Best case scenario, they all just sort of resolve and I heal and get to go to physical therapy, and et cetera. But obviously I had a second surgery uh, just over three weeks ago. Uh, I'm still in a decent amount of pain, but nothing like catastrophic. But he gave me a steroid level prescription anti-inflammatory, which helped um, because there may be also some spinal nerve issues from a 2018 injury I had. Um, and this is just one of those things where you get to realize that, you know, this is why good health insurance is important <laughs> because when I had bum ass health insurance with an $8,000 deductible in 2018, I, you know, went to a doctor who took my insurance and wasn't a surgeon, was an orthopedic sports spinal guy. And, you know, he said the magic words, which may have been true, but also what I wanted to hear, which was like, uh, yeah, you don't need surgery for this. We'll do an epidural. And we did a few epidurals over the course of a year and the pain went away, but there was definitely some nerve, uh, not uncommon, but definitely some nerve stuff, uh, which I had gone to physical therapy for and still had exercises that I was doing until recently, um, just to, you know, sort of try to get my left arm um, and side as sort of equal to my right. And it never sort of regained, which this is, I think this is a sort of good, good, good parallel for my comedy career because basically the only reason I got jacked ever in my life and strong was for basketball. Um, it didn't hurt obviously being like built, uh, in terms of, uh, attracting, uh, other people, men or women, very open here to compliments, not to everybody's sexual organs, but compliments I'll take from both gender, all genders, excuse me. Um, but, uh, my basketball career didn't actually yield anything of real value to me. Um, but it seems that I should have just stayed a tall, lanky, skinny kid. That would have been much healthier if I'd just done like cross country and yoga. I think that's what I would advise if I ever have a kid. I'd be like, don't do weights or try to achieve anything. Just stretch and walk and do push-ups and yoga and maybe some Pilates. And just that's it. Don't do anything else. Maybe you'll live till 90 if you haven't gotten your father's penchant for bad luck and gigantism. But... Uh, so now we've got a sort of compounding issue going on, which the anti-inflammatory, the steroid kind of helped. So I'm at the end of a five pack today. And then my doctor gave me another five pack knowing I was going to Chicago. Oh, great segue, jail. Chicago this Tuesday, 8 p.m. City Winery. Uh, if you are anywhere near the Chicago and haven't gotten your tickets, please get your tickets. Uh, tell a friend, tell three friends, tell 265 friends uh, that I am at City Winery in Chicago. <laughs> but... Um, uh, I, this is a trip shaping up to be a money, lo a money loser. Now, granted, I can validate all these losses of money on gigs by saying, well, I'm recording March 31st and April 1st. 
And I had a great show Friday in Newark. Did about 35 minutes, all new material that'll be do going on the, uh, the new special in uh, April. Um, so that felt good. And I'm just going to validate all these like bad shows where I lose money by saying, well, it's just in preparation. These are all costs uh, to prepare to make a, a, a great hour. But, you know, it sort of stinks to feel like I'm probably going to lose money uh, on the trip to Chicago. It is what it is. But, you know, that's not where I thought my career would obviously be sort of somehow like back. I'm back in like 2018, 20, 2019 levels. So it is what it is. Hopefully it won't last too much longer. My shoulder pain or my comedy career. The two things causing me the most distress and turmoil. But um, he gave me another five pack for the trip to Chicago. So I should be, you know, relatively pain-free Monday and Tuesday, which is great. Um, that's what I, you know, that's what I do for my comedy. I'm willing to lose money and uh, suppress nerve damage to perform for anywhere between 40 and 90 people in the city of Chicago. Um, but it's a small city. So obviously, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, you got to go to the real big cities for me to sell a hundred tickets. Um, but, uh, then this morning, before I went to Mass, um, I see an update on my phone from Amtrak. My train has been canceled to Chicago. And I go, oh, that's good. Um, because when you do trains, they're like one a day. It's not like there's like four trains. Oh, we just get the other. There's one a day. And I was taking the one. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you know my or, – or well, if you're a Patreon subscriber who watches or listens to the stuff I put up on Patreon, I got to be more specific. <laughs> Um, I put up a video of me from last year's uh, much more successful, enjoyable, and optimistic cross-country trip for, for touring where I had my car attendant in the Capital Limited, Carlos, who was uh, just a four-and-a-half-minute joy listening to him do the introductory kind of announcements over the, um, hello, this is your train attendant, Carlos. I will be your attendant from here in Washington, D.C., all the way to Chicago, Illinois. Uh, we will have designated smoke at breaks. Uh, we will be stopping in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We will be stopping in Toledo, Ohio. Now, we have meal seatings tonight. What I will be doing is coming by your car, asking you when you would like to have dinner, and you can come to the train dinner car, or I can bring the meal to you in your private room. It is up to you. It was like four minutes of that, and I just like settled into my chair and was like, oh, cool. And I think I took it on the way home because I had Carlos both le like on my way from D.C. to Chicago going west. I had Carlos. Then on my way back from Chicago to, to Pittsburgh, I had Carlos again. And I was like, hey, Carlos, right? He's like, oh, yes. Hello. Tipped him real well because he was – and I took those meals in my fucking room like a king, like an Amtrak king. <laughs> and he was great. And it was just, it was just, it was just one of those things. It was just a, a beautiful touch on a, on a trip that, boy, was I optimistic a year. I mean, man, you guys probably know, but man, a year ago, a fucking year ago, actually, I, actually, excuse me, a year ago from now, I had found out the special was fucked up. But a year and a week ago, 53 weeks ago, I was as optimistic about my entertainment career and life as I've been in 20 years. Um, and I will say this, optimism is always, it's, it, it, it always, optimism for me is like a fleeting moment. 
followed by dread that it will never be this good. But I really felt actually really good going on that trip, doing the gigs, etc. It was, it was the best feeling I've had in my comedy career. Coming off a great special, knowing that Billions was going to be airing, I really just, it was, it was the best. I, I wish I could just bottle up that feeling. And then Carlos, as the train attendant, just was like a nice cherry on top of an overall great vibe. I did what I want. I did a cross-country train trip, which I've always wanted to do. Took a lot of beautiful photos. It was just, it was the best. I'm not going to lie. The, the Brightest Girlfriend was meeting me out in Utah for a show and some jazz games. It was just, it was... And even then, and to be fair, even after, by, once I went to the Utah games, I knew the special had been fucked up, but it was still such a, such a good three weeks of my life in, in so many ways. Um, but now the train's canceled, the one going out. Now, the uh, irony here is, well, I could catch a flight. Well, I'm not sure I want to catch a flight day before. <laughs> like, they might be expensive, and, I, and I'm not going to lie. I've flown into Chicago many times, but I hate flying into Chicago in the winter. Um, I hate it. Uh, the, not the last time I flew into Chicago. I've probably flown to Chicago like eight times, but the, one of the last times I flew, it was bumpy for two hours. That's not an exaggeration. It was a bumpy flight from jump, from takeoff to landing. And it was kind of odd because the first hour I was like pissing my pants, but then your, your system adjusts. And like for the second hour, I was like, well, uh, thank you evolution and God and intelligent design or anything else for, you know, allowing your body to sort of say, okay, we can't keep pumping the fear hormone forever. So we're just shutting that down. So the second hour of the flight, I was like, yeah, it's bumpy, but for some reason I don't care anymore. But I just thought, well, that'll be great. I'm already probably going to lose money on this trip. And now I'm going to lose extra money because I'm going to have to buy a last minute flight to Chicago. But then called Amtrak on my select executive hotline number, since I'm a, the highest tier member of their guest rewards program, and got on a train, the train leaving from New York that gets into Chicago tomorrow. That is not canceled. And I got a little roomette on that one. It's not my preference. There's no Carlos. There's no, the, the, it's a little like, sometimes the trains are a little older than the ones that go out of DC, even though they're both old. Um, train, train stands will know what I'm talking about. Probably not actually. But so no harm really done. I actually saved money because it's cheaper on that shitty longer ride from New York to Chicago than the DC to Chicago uh, ride. Um, so that was crisis was averted. So now I can just go lose a normal amount of money on my Chicago gig instead of like going bankrupt on my Chicago gig. Um, but yes, Tuesday, City Winery. Uh, Joe Biden will be speaking 7 p.m. Chicago time. Um, so it's always... I don't know how I have this gift, but obviously many of the fans I acquired over the last several years are politically inclined because it was like a lot of my political impressions that got people excited. So it is kind of funny that like, I'm pro I probably have fans who are like, ah, I actually wanted to watch Joe Biden's State of the Union JL. Um, man, any other Tuesday in all of 2023 would have worked out, but not this one. But yeah, so I'm in Chicago uh, Tuesday. Um, and then, but let's get back to the medication. So um Basically, I'm going to have to find out the week after Chicago, um, you know, what the fuck is going on with like the upper left part of my body. But, you know, like I said, with sports, it was like I put all that effort into getting jacked and strong and, and, and really almost changed my body in college from like skinny, lanky guy to like Jason Momoa-ish. And it was for nothing in terms of it didn't you know, make me... Uh, uh, a more valued member of the team. I still ended up being like 
at best a sixth, seventh man. Um, but I, you know, forced my skeletal system and joints and everything and tendons to maybe uh, close to their natural boundaries. Um, and now, you know, what do I have to show for it? Uh, a, a nothing basketball legacy, but a spine with a couple of discs out of place and a left arm that barely works. So um, that's my athletic career. And if you can imagine, comedy has done even more damage to my soul. So my soul is like, if my, if my body is slightly weakened from, from a, a, a decades of weightlifting and trying to be more than I am, my soul is in a, is in a, a, a wheelchair with no limbs <laughs> based on what comedy's done to it. But if that doesn't uh, turn you off, Chicago this Friday and then uh, Rutherford, New Jersey for a very cool show. Uh, my friend, Libertarian, um, Lou Perez, funny guy. I don't agree with all his politics, but we do share sort of a, a gen, I don't agree with a lot of his politics, but we do share sort of, I think he's a genuine person. I don't think he's a clout chasing, uh, um, type of douche. I think he is somebody who has a set of principles and political beliefs. Um, they're not just of convenience, uh, but he's a funny guy and I've always liked him. And he's also a, like a light skinned Hispanic guy. And, so I think we also have a bond over our, our respective uh, person of colorsness not being uh, <laughs> always uh, acknowledged. But he has this show where I'll be doing stand-up, but it's also sort of a panel discussion show. And the main guest on the show is this writer, Gilbert King, who won the Pulitzer Prize for a book called, um, oh, fuck, In the Grove. Murder in the Grove? Damn it. I, damn it. Look up Gilbert King, Pulitzer Prize winner, 2013, I want to say. My brother actually bought the book for me or gave me a copy of the book. Phenomenal. Uh, when I wrote a blog several years ago about sort of a reading list, an advised reading list on, um, you know, race in American history, it was one of the like eight books I kind of included as like sort of a makeshift syllabus if you're just interested in one, a comprehensive cradle to the grave sort of black people in American history syllabus that was included because it was just such a devastating, amazing book, really depressing um, and heartbreaking. But he's on, he's like the main guest. And I was like, whoa, that's like, what a, what a great coincidence. Like I've read his book. And, and so that, that's in Rutherford, New Jersey, February 22nd. Um, so that's, that's like, I think uh, if you are someone listening who is a somewhere near Rutherford, New Jersey, anywhere near, I think it's worth your time for both good stand-up. Dan Natterman is also on the show, very accomplished stand-up comic, and Gilbert King. Um, so it's, I think it's, I'm excited to be part of that show because that's actually, I mean, that's a, it's just a good show um, and a good time. Like it's, it's not all going to be funny, but it's, I think, going to be a very worthwhile evening. Um, and because Lou, I don't know his co, like his co-producer, but I know Lou's politics are most likely uh, left, they are left of mine and they're probably left of Gilbert King's. Um, although possibly not, I don't know Gilbert King's po politics. Um, but you know, should be, a, should be a great night. And then, um, I think I have one other thing in February that I'm forgetting. No, I don't. That's it. And then March, we get really into high gear with uh, Montclair. All ticket links are on my website, by the way, except for the Fairfield, Connecticut show. That should be soon. But you got Montclair, uh, March 2nd. 
Boston, March 3rd, Fairfield, Connecticut, March 5th, Washington, D.C., March 19th. The ticket link is finally up for those, although I still, after five emails, can't get a simple confirmation on Chris Lamberth featuring for me. I'm sure he will be, but it's just, that's another, I have another very, I think I've discussed it before, so in terms of how I've been sort of treated by some clubs that I have very long-standing relationships with, that one of the frustrating things, and I'll leave it at this, about the this business is that I feel like you can't even get a straight answer from places that you genuinely believe you have a long-standing, solid, professional relationship with. Um, you know, I'll leave it at that. But the ticket link is up. I'm sure Chris will be there with me, but, you know, it'd just be nice. I've been emailing for six weeks, just kind of, they let you bring your feature. And I was just asking if Chris could host and feature so you could get kind of the double, you know, the, the two, two paychecks for the price of one appearance. And, you know, no answer. But it's, I mean, people are busy there, but it's just like, you know, I, it's, you know, it's a little over a month away. You just, you can confirm this. I know I'm, I'm I know I'm, uh, the, the industry and the clubs and the rate of return on everything has, uh, we've clearly established that I ain't shit in this business, no matter how good I think I am or how hard I work. It, it ain't for me. I'm a fucking shit stain on the underpants of the comedy world. It's fine. But a return email when I'm already booked doesn't seem like a big, big ask. And then in Boston, I've been asking for return emails for two months just to verify the contract terms uh, of my appearance there. And nobody's, like, nobody's acknowledged. It's, it's just, it's, like I say, I say this almost every week at this point, am I dead? Like, am I the sixth sense of comedy? Like, I think I'm doing things, and it turns out I'm not even here. Anyway, uh, D.C., Philadelphia, um, uh, Princeton, New Jersey, and then the two special tapings. And, uh, you know, the one thing I can say that I often say is I'm, uh, I'm very excited about the material, um, I think it's going to be another, I, I don't know, will it be a groundbreaker? No. Will it change my life? No. Will it be an adequate send-off for me artistically? Probably, yes. I, I, feel, I feel good about the work and, and like, you know, getting this all out. Um, so I'm excited at that level of, of like the material I've, I'm, I'm honing for, for, the, for the eighth hour. Um, in other news, um, today when I finish this podcast, I will be going over the album, the, the October 21st, 2021. Um, some of you might not have even been born uh, when I uh, first recorded Half Blackface. Um, <laughs> it's going to be like a generational tradition. <laughs> where were you? Do you, Grandpa, where were you when JL first recorded Half Blackface? <laughs> Well, I was, uh, I was in eighth grade, son, and wasn't even a fan of comedy, but my parents were. They said he did good impressions, and they were looking forward to supporting his special that was coming out. And then, 23 years later, my parents died, and, and my father's were, last words were, why isn't half blackface out? And now as I lie here in the ICU at the ripe age of 83, I, too, bequeath to you the struggle of waiting for JL's special to come out. It's the year 2103. <laughs> anyway, guys, um, the math there I don't think worked, by the way, but you get the joke. Um, but I'm listening and, and coming up, you know, making some edits and, and coming up the track, track listings. 
Um, but I got to say, for all my hype, talking about that first taping, the, that crowd energy was, was, was electric. It was, a, it was a great night. But after, after listening to that and watching the one that will be the special, I think overall I'm actually happier with the special set. And I think some of that is because the 2021 material, some of it has, is, feels dated, especially as I talk about COVID. Like when I talk about COVID on the special, the May taping, I am acknowledging that it's like already past its time. So that, that has a little more staying power because I'm already acknowledging, like I know I shouldn't be talking about the pandemic still. Whereas in October, 2021, when I'm thinking this shit's coming out soon, we got a new strain out, I'm not preparing for a 15 to 16 month wait. I think this is coming out three or four months later. So I'm talking very present tense about COVID, but it's not, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's, re, it's really good. And there's a, few bit, there's a few bits on there that I didn't do on the second taping that, I, that, I, that are really good. But it's overall, I just felt, it, it almost felt like the past. It felt like the past to me. Now, the half blackface bit, the bit that is half blackface, the title track, is the best telling of the bit. The special is good. The special is very good on that. It's a better telling on the album. So there's, for diehard fans, all 39 of you, there's ample reason to buy both products when they come out or watch and buy in terms of the, the, the special and the, the album. But, but it, it made me sort of sad, not in my angry way, but kind of sad that I almost felt like, much like myself, I was listening to the album going, wow, I guess it's been long enough that even I feel like this album has missed its time. Even though there's plenty of evergreen stuff, it feels like it kind of missed its time. The special doesn't really feel that way. They, they're just going to not give it to anybody good, I'm sure. It's not going to sell to anybody good. So, so it will die as a result of, of, of the ineptitude and, and uh, of, of the people making it. But the album, I felt sort of sad listening to it because I was like, oh, yeah, it has been a long time. And, and, and this album is dying of old age, whereas the special is a vibrant, you know, honor roll student headed on a full ride to Harvard being gunned down by the people who are supposed to be, ma who are making it. Like, like the special's being murdered and the album is dying of old age. <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, that's tough. I feel like fucking Ted Kennedy watching, watching uh, you know, JFK and RFK get, get gunned down. Uh, <laughs> I'm like 25. I'm like, what the hell is happening to my special and my album? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, I, I'm going to finish that up today, but that's, you know, as you can tell, I'm a little more melancholy today. You know, there's a lot of bad going on right now. The train getting canceled and my back and shoulder being of concern. And, but, but the album, it was, it was, that was just sad. It, it didn't make me angry anymore. It was sad because I felt like the album has now been done a disservice. Like, you know, like I view, sometimes I view my art as like, almost like a child. And I feel like Half Blackface had the greatest potential of all my children. <laughs> it was the great, it was my best work. It was my most, and I don't like to say courageous in terms of like how people would call it. 
because I don't want my comedy being called brave. It's funny. Even the stuff that's touchy is funny. It's funny. It's not done. But the personal stuff, the personal stories about racism and, and sketches I've done and things like that were, felt like, like personal risks a little bit to me. And they, were, they paid off. They, 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 they worked in the, in the special and the album. But I feel like for all that potential, it's now been snuffed out and it wasn't my fault and it should have never happened that way. So that's, that just makes me very sad because I feel like it was my best work and now it's going to, it's going to be, it's being treated disproportionately the worst. You know, obviously it's going to have a wider audience than some of my other stuff, but it's not, it's not going to have nearly the audience it needs or deserves. And that's before I even get into my old stories about, you know, the fucking algorithms and whatnot. So that's, that's what's been going on uh, with me this week of, uh, regarding uh, the comedy and stuff. And hopefully, you know, sometime in February or March, I'll be able to get my albums back up. I have the files and everything, but I still have to make sure that whatever this company did to fuck over my albums is not still applicable because I don't want to go to another service upload all my albums for digital distribution so that they're accessible for purchase and streaming again. Cause when you do gigs, you want to be able to tell people like, Hey, Hey, you know, I got six albums on Apple and Spotify. Go listen, you know, like go listen and stay a fan. Like there's lots there for you to engage with. You know, I don't want to do a fucking two months of touring where nobody who comes to the show can, can like find my comedy after the show. But you know, so, so it's, it's just been, it's, it's been, uh, it's not the best obviously right now. Um, but that's, that's the sad news. We always start with the, 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 this podcast should be called, do you want the bad news first or the, uh, the sad news first? <laughs> but, um, Watching a lot of stuff. I got a lot of reviews for you and things. And now we'll talk fun stuff now that I've gotten the vegetables out of the way. Let's have some cheesecake. Um, I was watching with the Righteous Girlfriend last night. I was, uh, we were scrolling through some of the Grammy, like videos on YouTube of Grammy nominees. Because like, I don't know any fucking music. And to be fair, I listened to the Lizzo song for the first time. <laughs> It's about damn time because all I see like the this is I'm I'm unlike most people in that when I see something trending on TikTok, I'm like, oh, well, fuck that. <laughs> you know, like everybody lip syncing and dancing to the Lizzo, like just the core, like the in a minute, I'm in a like and I was just like, ugh, like TikTok makes me hate art. Um, and what was the other one? Oh, and then the Sam Smith one. Um so I feel like that song, if you listen to all of Sam Smith's music, it's like, did this song, did, did a TikTok algorithm producer like decide that that is what your new sound should be? Because then it would spread like wildfire on TikTok. That's, that's a thought I've had, which is like, I genuinely believe, and I think about it in comedy and I think about it in music. I genuinely believe there are probably people and producers out there who are like, okay, but you need, some of your songs need to be TikTokable. And I guess that's, hey, that's not a lot different than obviously somebody saying, hey, we need a two minute single for the radio. You know what I mean? Or a two and a half minute single for the radio. I guess that's not so different, but it just feels like the TikTok algorithm is probably like, 
can probably dictate like what sounds will will go viral. Like like it's not just like, hey, can you do a short song or a short version of this so we can spread it more? It's probably like, no, no, TikTok doesn't like acapella and it doesn't like acoustic guitar. It likes heavy synth bass. And then you're, you're like, like I, it just wouldn't surprise me if there are people making music, like artists who are now just like, but do you like it, TikTok? Like TikTok is gonna become the Rick Rubin for people where it's like, but does TikTok like this sound? It does, then I like it. Fuck my creativity and artistry. I wanna be best BFFs with TikTok. So, and speaking of uh, BFFs, Sarah Cooper making her, uh, her, her uh, Broadway, uh, she's on, or off Broadway, she's in Katie Holmes' new play. I only bring that up because uh, she had a front page article in the New York Times in the art section. Good for her. It's good to see. It's good to see everybody except one person from 2020 uh, having thriving careers. Um, but it, I bring it up because it was just like, oh, okay. And then somebody tagged me today. Like, and I was like, what is this? And I, as soon as I just saw it, I said, yeah, her and JL Cove and at JL Covan. And I'm sure they thought they were being nice. So I didn't say anything. It's called growth. But I said, this has to be what I think it's about, right? So it's like New York Times article about Sarah Cooper and then somebody wrote, she got me through 2020 with her humor. And then this guy wrote, yeah, her and JL Covan. And I was like, can, can you just leave me out of this at this point? Like, it's like you're tagging me in my comedy's obituary. Like, like my comedy got a case of, of lip sync, can fatal case of lip sync cancer. And then you're adding me in an article about how well lip sync cancer is doing. <laughs> it's just, you know, I don't, it's one thing if I have to be linked with her and I'm, and I'm thriving. Do you know what I mean? Like Larry Bird doesn't mind being linked with Magic Johnson. Okay. But this is more like I'm being linked to the 1986 Mets and I'm Bill Buckner. That's what it feels like. Even though I didn't fuck up, it just feels like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be linked to that. Like I didn't have, she had platinum level success. I had like copper coins level success. I don't know. Like I had a good year, but I, I didn't get a terrible Netflix special, a failed pilot, a book deal, a Broadway play, um, and a movie with Jerry Seinfeld. Like I didn't get those five things. I got Cameo and YouTube and six other things I had to create myself and an audition for billions that I got. And that's awesome for me, but I don't need to be reminded. I, I don't like, I don't need to be added or tagged or like linked. It's, it's just weird. Like, why am I linked to this? Like clearly I got blown out of the fucking water. Like why can't I at least have the comfort of failure and anonymity? If you get what I'm saying, like at least let me just be like, yeah, yeah, no, she, she fucking killed it. She's got William Morris. She, she, she's having like hashtag career goals, hashtags, dreams come true. Good. She left me in the fucking dust. That's awesome. Can, but can, can you leave, can you leave me there? Like, cause the only thing that makes that bad is to be reminded like, yeah, you too. Like, segue to the George Michael biography that I just finished uh, yesterday, which was phenomenal by James Govin, no relation. <laughs> um, great, great, great biography. Like I just, I was, it's so, it's so in depth 
and and it, it takes you the, through everything in George Michael's life and the, and the, the talent and the fucking hedonistic fucked up life he was living and and it's just it's such a if you ever if you like a music bi biography or if you're a George Michael fan man yeah I can't highly I wish I'd been able to do a review had finished it in time to do a review for the Patreon but this is your little if you're not a Patreon person this is like a little bonus book review for you George Michael a life by James Govan no relation I'm kidding it's obviously G-O-V-I-N as opposed to C-A-U-V-I-N oh who's C-A-U-V-I-N that's me listener you don't know who I am Anyway, uh, great book, and it just makes me feel like I'm like, I, let me be the Andrew Ridgely to, to Sarah Cooper's George Michael, even though that analogy doesn't work in any way other than agents and opportunities. <laughs> but the point is, it's just so weird to wake up in February of 2023 and having people tag me in posts praising Sarah. Like, it's like, I, I, nobody, I, and this has been my frustration all along. It's like, if people don't understand artistic value and talent and just what makes somebody tick, then they're never going to know like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be linked to that. Like on any level, I don't want to be reminded of it. I don't want to be compared to it. So, but you know, that was just, you know, once again, every week there's a new Al Pacino Godfather 3 moment where I'm just like, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So, um, but George Michael book, very good. Very, better than very good. It was, it was just a, just a strong, in-depth, appreciative, but honest, uh, just, look at his, his life. I, 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 I mean, I can't, I recommend it very highly. Um, but the next book review for Patreon folks will be the warmth of other, the warmth of other sons. Uh, shout out to Rod of the black eye tips who used to read passages from that many years ago. No, I'm not reading Ida, a sword among lions. <laughs> That's just for people who listen to black eye tips, a little, little inside podcast humor during half black history month. Um, so I gave you the shoulder update. I gave you the special shows. I gave you a lot of depression. Um, Grammys. I think I cut myself off when I was going to talk about the Grammys. Yes, I did. I cut myself talking about the Grammys. So uh, because I got, I thought about TikTok and that immediately just broke my, my mind. But uh, the Lizzo song, About Damn Time. I love that song. <laughs> I know I'm like nine months behind because I turned away from it for from TikTok. But in a minute, that's like the word, not the word, it, it's all good, but like the song is really good. Now I know it's bad if I say, hey, could that win song of the year? Because Beyonce's up for song of the year and she has to win everything this year. Um, I'm on record, I'm not afraid to say it. And the compliment I'll give that album because a, a fan wrote to me and said, oh, that album's awesome, we love working out to it. And I, I did, the caveat I did say when I when I listened to the, the Beyonce album, uh, Renaissance, I think, um, I listened through because I have a couple of Beyonce albums from the past. The last one I bought was the, the, the Surprise album, the 2013 album, which I really liked. Um, that I think it's just called Beyonce. But like Lemonade, I watched it and just didn't dig the music that much. Like I know it was a big kind of pop event and that's cool. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, infidelity tea being spilled. But it was, uh, I just didn't, I just thought I was like, eh, it's all right. I mean, I, I like the, the earlier stuff better. And obviously I'm a, a big halo stan. 
<laughs> but the new album, I was listening, I'm listening through and I'm like, eh, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I, like, cause I'm not, I just like to sit around and listen to music basically. I'm a fucking misanthrope and sloth. Miss Slothrenpoth? Wait, Miss Slothanthrope? <laughs> I'm trying to do, anyway, a sloth and a misanthrope. But so I usually just like listen to music when I'm working or writing or working, you know, working out is where you'll, you'll get, you'll hear me listening to like my, you know, early 2000s hate music that was pumping in the college weight room. Um, but as I listened to Beyonce, I, I went for a long walk to listen to it. And the thing I did say was, but I did walk faster while listening to it because it's a very, a lot of it is very up tempo and like, so it's, it's, it's got value to me, but I just don't, I don't, I didn't just, but my main test for music is often, if I'm just sitting around, am I just going to like listening to this album and, you know, hater or not, I didn't dig Renaissance. I know it's like kind of the juggernaut this year, but that's just me. I know I'm a hater. I'm a piece of shit, whatever. Um, but it's about damn time. I enjoyed that. But then I said, okay, here's who we got to look for. This bad bunny motherfucker, okay? He's a weird looking guy. He's showing up in everything. He's like the biggest artist in the world right now. Um, he was in Narcos, like, you know, like non-speaking, like, like a small role, but it was just like, he's so big that people are putting him in big things just to like get some of his fans. He was in Bullet Train, but he's like a weird looking guy. But I was like, okay, he's gotta be doing some good music though, or I, I don't know. I don't know any Bad Bunny music because I just don't listen to the fucking radio anymore. Like I, I used to, I just liked it when, like I didn't have to do any work to learn new music. It would be like in the morning, I'd be like, if I wasn't watching Sports Center or the news, I'd be on MTV or VH1. So I, even though, the, yes, that's curated and everything, at least I'd kind of just get familiar with some of the new music. And then the radio, like even younger, I used to just wake up to like the local, you know, whether it was hip hop or rock, um, stations in New York and I listened to a lot more radio, like every, I think like everybody, but once it went like serious and MTV and VH1 stopped playing music videos, I just got, I lost touch with, with whatever was hot. I just, I hear about the artists and I'm like, I don't know what they sing. I've like, it took me like eight months to hear a Dua Lipa song, but I kept hearing about Dua Lipa. Took me like two years to hear a baby, the baby song. And I was like, oh, I like the baby. He's got some good songs and he doesn't sound like a mumble motherfucker. And then like three weeks later, they're like, the uh, baby is canceled. He's homophobic and nobody's buying tickets to his concert. And I'm like, is that what happens? I liked two of his songs and his career, his career like imploded. It was like, did JL happen to stream any of my, God damn it, JL. So, and I'm not, I know I may, it sounds like I'm joking. That's exactly what happened. Like I finally like was like, all right, little baby, dub baby. I hit, and I liked I liked the baby's voice. I liked that his I liked the raps that I heard, like both guest and his own songs. And then like less than a month, he was having like a homophobia controversy. And then like his ticket sales were like plummeting. And I was like, uh, shit. Sorry, da baby. <laughs> but um, so I said, let's listen to some Bad Bunny. So we we go on YouTube on the smart TV. And I'm just looking like for what, what are the big, like which ones have a lot of, a lot of views, like roughly gauge like the most popular. So the first one, I, they're all in Spanish. I don't remember, I don't remember the title of one song, but it was like a newer song. And it was just like, kind of like a hype up song, but I was like, it doesn't sound like this guy is singing that much. And I was like, I don't know about this. I mean, I get it. It's like, for, like a culturally cool video. Cause it's like, he's in the Bronx and like the block is jumping and he's like getting everybody hyped up. And I'm like, I don't know about that. It had 624 million views. And I was like, 
that's, I don't know, okay, okay, bad bunny. And then, um, then I listened to a second song which had like 620 million and these were like within the last year. So I'm guessing these are like part of his Grammy eligible album this year that's up for like a lot of awards. And I was like, okay, this one's better because he had like some dude singing hooks who was doing like two thirds of the work. And I was like, all right, this isn't bad. This isn't bad, okay. Okay, let's listen to some more. Then I got into a run of like five different songs that have, whoever invented the reggaeton or maybe I think they're calling it like Latin trap now, um, that, that one beat for reggaeton, sh I hope they patented it because it is being used every single, any variation of that, sped up, slowed down, that's, it's it is just like it is the foundation of the last 20 years of like reggaeton music and so he had a few of those and i was like i don't i don't mind this it sounds it doesn't sound unique to me but but i know he's also cultivated this kind of look and he's sort of like claims to be i think sexually fluid so he's he's like hitting the zeitgeist culturally and and sexually and like just kind of creating this like like it's almost like he's like, I'm not sure. It's just, it's, it's like, whether it's true or just marketing or both, he's kind of hitting a lot, like he's non-threatening. It's not like he's some machismo jacked Latin dude. He's just like, we're ha it's, it's kind of giving off this vibe, like I don't, I, I'm too cool or confident or like love myself to give a fuck. So like, I got a weird look. I got like, I do weird shit in my videos, blah, blah, blah. But of course, all hot, bootylicious Latin women just dancing around everywhere. So, but maybe he's creating like a women like him, gay, gay LGBTQ people kind of vibe with him. And then he's also like not threatening. It's not like he's going to steal you. I mean, he will steal your girl, but it's not like you feel like he's going to steal your girl. Um, he's like comic relief. He comes in with that Pete Davidson like assassin mentality maybe. But then, oh, then I said, oh, this video has 1.2 billion plays. And I want to say it's called Dakiti. And I said, okay, let's play this. Now, this didn't sound like... This shit was just some straight up house pop. And I'm listening to it and I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. Okay. Now, like I literally just bought it on my iPod. I'm like, now this is what, now if you tell me this is why he's big, I go, absolutely. Now he was already huge before that song came out. That song came out in October, 2020. Shows you how fucking into music I am. But this song is fucking, I love this song. And thank God the video has translations, obviously. But I said, okay, let's see, when did this come out? Okay, late 2020. So pandemic, I was too busy saving the world with my comedy skills, not paying too much attention to music. And it wasn't, and by the way, to show my laziness, it doesn't lend itself, at least in my TikTok algorithm, to like TikToks. It's like, an, like it's not a TikTok-y song as far as I can tell. So it wasn't hitting on those places that flood you with like, oh, we're all lip syncing to this now. But I looked it up and I was like, how, I, I was like asking the, the, the Amazon device, like how high did Dakiti by Bad Bunny get? And it was like, it was number one on the hot global chart 
and reached number five on the American Top 100. And I was like, God damn. Like I know Despacito was like a number one song, so it's not new. It's not like Latin songs now aren't, Spanish language songs aren't now able to peak the charts. But I was like, this shit hit five. And it wasn't like, it wasn't that, like Despacito I heard a million times and I'm not even paying attention. So it didn't reach that level, but I was like, this shit is good. So then I was like, okay, okay. And then I watched a live video of it. Somebody took from a concert and I was like, man, I'll never go to a Bad Bunny concert. Now, people who know me would think that's crazy. They're like, but JL, there's gonna be 19,000 scantily clad Latin women fired up and ready to go. And I go, yeah, but I'm there for the music, okay? And he comes out, it seemed almost like it was an introductory song, because like the guy who sing, did the first part of the verse is singing, and then out comes Bad, Bad, Bad Bunny. I keep wanting to say Bad Baby, but that's the Cash Me Outside whore. Excuse me, entrepreneur. Um, and he comes out and he's singing, and then they get to the best part, the like, the like, the, when the beat drops, and they have pyrotechnics go off. So I'm like, oh, cool, okay, that's fun. But then he do, he stops singing, and all the all you hear is like 20,000 women like, ah, nah, 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 nah. and I'm like, I didn't come here to sing you sing, hear you sing. Like, no. And I don't mean this in like that Steve Harvey King's a comedy way, but no, I'm not like, and you're letting them sing the best part of the song. Absolutely not. So you got my 129 on, on iTunes, Bad Bunny, but you're not getting a $400 ticket out of me to hear pyrotechnics and women singing off key. No, thank you. No, thank you. But that has been, Gram you know, with the Grammys tonight, that's, that's me catching up on the Grammys. So I assume Beyonce's gonna win everything and she'll be the winningest artist of all time, uh, which is a great accomplishment. Um, obviously when Michael Jackson won like eight for Thriller in 1983, there were like 10 awards total. <laughs> so like, so he, he dominated the evening when they were like, but now it's like best, uh, best vocal collab between a six foot three person and a person of, uh, indigenous descent. Uh, <laughs> like there's, there's so many categories that it's like, you know. The stats are a little juiced, okay? Let's just be honest, but yes. Now, the Beyonce hate Chelsea Snow, okay? I like Beyonce. I just don't love her. Um, I mean, I could love her as like a person, but as an artist, I'm like, uh, you know, you got enough of my money. My, my iPod has, has purchased enough of your music where I can have an opinion. But, um, you know, when you win like 100 Grammys and there's like, 108 categories every year. It's, it doesn't feel as, it's like if the NBA added a 25 put, point line and it was like, Steph Curry dropped 225 points. Take that, Wilt Chamberlain. It's like, well, yeah, technically he now has the record, but uh, come on, it's a little, it's a little juiced now. Anyway, more content reviews. Uh, Great documentary, in my opinion, on Showtime that I was very eager to watch, and I watched it yesterday, called Stand, about Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, uh, formerly known as Chris Jackson, a standout high school and college superstar who became a, a legitimate, excellent NBA player. But basically, imagine if Steph Curry, imagine if you, and, and, and the thing is, he really, like when you're watching highlights in this documentary, he really was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. Now the game wasn't the same, 
So he didn't get, like nobody followed his style of play. So it was like, he didn't get to be sort of the pioneer that Steph Curry is. But I mean, and he was a, he was a better athlete than Steph Curry in terms of like vertical, like he was in the dunk contest. He was, I mean, he was like a highly touted high school player. Obviously he didn't have the career or the, or the, or the, or the, the, the freak showmanship of Steph Curry. But you watch those highlights and you're like, this dude, like Steph Curry kind of kind of broke, like was like a cheat code in terms of his shooting form and quick release. Chris Jackson was doing Steph Curry, but like on a pure, like classic high elevation jump shot. And then he converted to Islam. So that's when he went from Chris Jackson to Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. And Oh, by the way, when you see this dude, this dude is aging like, like a fine wine. And I say this with, you know, with bad bunny bisexuality vibes. Man, like I got to stay, my hair is starting to go silver a little bit on the sides. You, I will be moving to Florida or California once my hair is a majority silver because that tan with a natural silver, I mean, this dude, this dude is just, he is he, he is aging so well. I was like, so I was like, I mean, great for you for being an NBA player and star and, and activist and, 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 and standing on your principles, but I'm just jealous of how well you're aging, sir. Um, but he stopped standing for the flag, uh, after he became, uh, as, as, as he evolved in his Islamic learning. And, and there's like some people talking in and saying like, yeah, he was like, it wasn't that he was militant, but he was like, you know, growing in the religion and learning and sort of like, you know, evolving. And there were some bumpy spots in terms of his approach to things, but he, um, he stopped standing for the flag and it was like Kaepernick, but, and they make this point in the documentary, like he was by himself because Kaepernick, it divided the country, but there were a lot of people on his side and he, made money off of it. I'm not saying that was his intention, but he had, you know, he was able to, he lost money off of it, of course, and he lost his career. I'm speaking of Kaepernick, but he also got development deals and endorsement deals. And I'm not saying that replaces it, but there was a, there was both opposition and support for him in large numbers and social media and marketing kind of helped with that. And then you talk about like the sixties where it was like a social movement. So even though, yes, it was dangerous, um, and, and, and admirable that people like Bill Russell and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and James, Jim Brown took stands and, and things like that. Of course, it was dangerous and admirable. There was, once again, a movement behind them as well, supporting them, even though it was dangerous. And Mah the, the thing about Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf is that in like 1994, 96, 96, 97, he was kind of by, by himself. Like there was no social media. There was no like major movement in society he was just by himself. And it was an incredibly sort of admirable and strong um, stand he took in terms of what it cost him because it cost him everything. And I highly recommend the documentary. Um, you know, I, I, I just, as a basketball fan, I really enjoyed watching it. And it was just, it was, it was he's a very worthwhile subject um, for sure. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I, I just highly recommend it. So that's on Showtime. I already gave you a book recommendation. Um, 
Yeah, and let's talk about 1883. Now, I've talked extensively about how I don't think Yellowstone is a good show, even though it's a very big hit show from a writer who has written three movies I own on Blu-ray, uh, Taylor Sheridan. We're talking Sicario, Hell or High Water, and Wind River. But I couldn't. I wanted to like like Yellowstone. I wanted to like it. I was just. I, I, it's not even that I wanted to like it. I expected to like it because I was like, okay, we got Kevin Costner. And we, but more importantly, we got Taylor Sheridan being given like free reign to create a, a new world. I love his movies, but after those three movies, man, it was it was like he did that terrible movie with Angelina Jolie and John Bernthal. I mean, I thought that movie fucking sucked. Um, it was it was during the pandemic. It was on HBO Max. It was going to be in the theater, but it's like it's like about firefighters in like the you know the Wyoming type area, you know, fighting wildfires. And then Yellowstone, though, I was like, okay, let's go Yellowstone. And man, I watched two seasons of Yellowstone. I think it's a fucking ridiculous, ridiculous pile of vulgar nonsense. But, um, but I said, okay, 1883 is like a total, you know, a few people recommended it to me. And it's like a standalone. It, it involves the like lineage of the characters in, in Yellowstone. But it's really just like, you know, a chance to do like some period, period dramas. So I watched it. I just finished it uh, about an hour before doing this podcast. The the it's a one and only. It's just one ten episode uh, like limited series, and it's got Sam Elliott. And I think the problem with Sam Elliott is like after he did A Star Is Born, he should have won Best Supporting Actor for that. Everybody in A Star Is Born should have won in twenty eighteen. That's I stand by that position. Tell me something, girl. And his big moment in that movie, you know, he was kind of the cowboy brother. But is when he he kind of realizes his brother. He tells his brother like you know, basically they have this like, this last moment together, and Sam Elliott just pulls out of the driveway like holding back tears, and it was just a very powerful visual, and I think Taylor Sheridan, who went from less is more to more is more in terms of his philosophy of, uh, film and television production. He has Sam Elliott like cry like six times in this show. Like Sam Elliott is literally doing one of two things. I will fucking kill you. You understand what I'm saying? I will put a bullet in your fucking face if you look at me like that. And then every other episode, he's like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I never thought we'd get to this place. <laughs> and I'm like, he's like emo Yosemite Sam, for Christ's sake. What is going on here? It was like the restraint in A Star Is Born is what made that moment so powerful. It was a tough older man, toxically, masculinely holding back tears. Instead, Taylor Sheridan was like, yeah, I love that, but you know it'd be even better? If you threaten to kill everybody every episode and then you cry every fucking episode. Imagine if we take the A Star Is Born formula and multiply it by 5,000, Sam. What do you say? Well, I think that would be a wonderful idea, Taylor Sheridan. But if you don't do this, I will fucking kill you. Beef, it's what's for dinner. So, and the narrator is this hot blonde. She's like the daughter of the family and... I don't like her narration, if I'm being honest. It's too much. It's too, I don't think the land loves us. I think the land hates us. And that's, that's the struggle we need to de deal with. Hate and love. It's just, it's too much. And I'm turning her into Joel Osteen. But overall, 
I think, you know, I was very impressed with Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw and Faith Hill are kind of the stars of this, along with Sam Elliott and the, the blonde actress who plays the daughter. Um, it's, I would say it's solid because, because Yellowstone is modern, so it's like, it's just like, let's all fucking applaud the rugged bad boys of like the mountain states. Whereas this one, at least there's like some historical elements and you just, the thing I think was best about the show 1883 is just conveying how dangerous life just was. Like in other words, they're moving set like German and Dutch settlers from like Texas to Oregon and just getting there, the elements, crime, native, native tribes, crossing rivers, infections, wild animals. You're just like, you do get an appreciation for how badass and how, you know, I, I said this, I said this, I forget where we were going, but sometimes I just marvel at everything. We're so lucky in some ways because we can't do anything now, but thank God things got done for us, whether it's the interstate highway or rail tunnels or coal digging. I know coal's bad, but I'm just saying for much of our history, that's still how we need to get energy. These dangerous jobs, these, these that there are dead souls, generations of dead people who lived anonymous lives, but contributed so much more, at least to a lasting structure in society. Whereas like, what have we contributed? Content, you know? Like I always say, whenever I walk by buildings, sometimes I just go, you think like a construction worker ever brings his kids by and goes like, I helped build that. Like, look at that thing. I, I worked on that for a year and a half. That's cool. That's a cool thing. And I think that sometimes I just look at, like a train tunnel, like, or some shit where you know people died. Like the Empire State Building was built in fucking 16 months. I'm sure dozens of people died making it. And, and they, they die in anonymity. And we don't know their names, but they left, they helped be part of history and part of the landscape and part of the skyline, even though their little part is forgotten. They, they are part of a greater thing. And I think that's the idea that you sort of get like the, the you know, the courage and the, the spirit of people kind of just going out West. Now, I also thought in my mind, I was like, yeah, you know, when you have white people in the 1800s murdering and slaughtering each other, it's like, oh, that was tough. But when you have it in like other communities, maybe later that are going through their own struggles, it's like they're animals, they're not civilized, it's disgraceful. Everybody, everybody has been animals in this country. Everybody has been a piece of shit. Some people are still pieces of shit and animals, but like everybody, and it's just the way we romanticize uh, one uh, storyline of, of fucking savages in this country. Like when white people were fucking violent savages, it was, the adventurous spirit of the West. And that's how a nation was built. <laughs> and it's like, well, yes. And also it's fucking, they were fucking disgusting Cretans as well. But I say that in all appreciation for what the show's doing, which is just like, yeah, like in one episode, they're just crossing a river with like foreigners who don't know how to swim. And like some of them drown and you're like, damn, like it wasn't even like, it was like, it was like water that was like five feet high, but they were so scared and they'd never been in water that you're like, man, like one woman gets bit on the ass by a rattlesnake and like she dies and you're just like, fuck, this is like taming, I mean, taming the wilderness, you know, for, well, and yes, okay. And I keep doing this because I just always hear somebody 
echoing in my head going, well, you know, the native peoples had no problem with it. They mastered the land in a conservationist way that didn't involve genocide and slaughter and white supremacy. I know, I know, I'm grading it on a curve. If you're some Dutch fuck who's never seen America and you, walk, you march 1300 miles in the winter, I still give you credit because it's not your game. You, you, you joined a different sport and you still made it. So I'm giving you credit. Yes, of course, other peoples had mastered it. Yes, but this country is what it is, good and bad, because a lot of people fucking pushed themselves to whatever their respective limits were. And so I don't think it's a great show, but it was like, there's very strong, solid elements. Like in other words, it still has yellow stoniness, but now with the kind of value of a historical context, I think the show has more value than Yellowstone, but it's only one limited season. So I don't, it's not like I, I don't think I would stick with it. Um, I kind of stuck with it because I was like, ah, oh, it's 10. Let me just see how this wraps up. But yeah, so there some reviews. I, I haven't been able to make any, you know, I apologize. Obviously there's still some great stuff on the Patreon and I'll be posting some train content on my trip to and from Chicago. So there'll be some bonus stuff coming out. Obviously the book reviews, I'll try to, I have some sketch ideas that I'd like to do, but the shoulder has really fucking incapacitated me in terms of doing a lot of stuff and including just writing. So um, I've been a little, uh, you know, my YouTube channel really took a dive in, in January because I've just, you know, barely been able to do, uh, I, I can't really keep up with the pace that I was doing because I'm just, not feeling that great, but, um, but I did manage to eke out like 16 cameos in two days. So thanks everybody who ordered one via the, uh, promotion, the 50% off promotion, but always a good time to remind you that Valentine's day is coming up. And, uh, you know, I had somebody order, uh, actually order a, a cameo featuring Cory Booker, Mitch McConnell, Andrew Cuomo, Donald Trump, and governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey. So just to name a, a few of the, at least politically themed impressions I do. But I've got a lot of stuff that I've like kind of prepared and want to work on and make, but it's just been a rough, you know, December 21st is just, uh, you know, I hope it's not a fucking tragic day in my life. I hope it's just a little bit of setback with the shoulder, but we'll find out when I get back from Chicago, hopefully I get generally good news about my healing and, and, and everything else. So I'll keep you informed, but for Patreon folks, um, what did I just post? I posted a book review and I can't remember if I posted something since the book review, but I will be posting um, at least one thing from the trip, perhaps a train podcast episode. Um, and, uh, and hopefully I can get you and, and probably some clips, some stand up clips. Obviously I'm bringing my camera to Chicago. Um, so there'll be, there'll be some good stuff there. And then obviously we'll have our live chat and uh, a book review of warmth of other sons later in the month. Uh, and if you are a big fan of mine and you're not listening to making podcasts great again, uh, check it out. It's, uh, I can't believe I'm still doing it, but it is, uh, still funny, uh, shockingly. So, um, go check that out. That's free and, uh, hope to see you at a show. Thanks for, for listening to the podcast. Thank you. A few people left, uh, left reviews. Um, we're on the cusp of 200. So if you're still listening to this and you haven't left a five-star review on Apple podcasts, please do that uh, as soon as you can. Uh, thank you. Um, appreciate you listening. Appreciate your support. Um, and that's it. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I will see you next Tuesday.